there's a lot of catches with some of that stuff where it's like, man, it's the right decision. But at the same time, it's one of those, you, you said it on one of the podcasts. It's just, it's scary because it's like, oh, that 18 or 20 grand could have bought me another you know, attachment for this or I could have paid for this. Welcome back, everybody, to the Con Expo Con Egg Podcast, brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu. Man, oh man, that makes some good machines. With me here today, I have the one and only Travis from Walnut Grove Excavating, who I've been following on social media for a long time because we both share the same love of wastewater treatment and uh, septic tanks and all that good stuff going on. So, Travis, thanks for being on the podcast today. No, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to our chat. Travis, um, I got to say, I, uh, I've been following you along for a while. And to be perfectly honest with everybody listening right now, too, I have not have a, had a, a pre-conversation other than over the last few years. We've had a couple of conversations um, back and forth through Instagram DMs and whatnot. But uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to kind of getting to know who Travis is and what you have kind of going on. So for the viewers and listeners at home, who is Travis and what's Walnut Grove Excavating? Uh, I'm a husband, father, and started excavating about six years ago. Basically, uh, I was in a corporate job for a while and decided I didn't like it and then wanted to figure out what I wanted to do for the next 25 years. So did some soul searching, did a lot of communication with different people, seeing what needs are out there. And I thought, man, it'd be a riot to go out and excavate every day and kind of get out of the corporate world and the politics and some of the other stuff that goes on there. and kind of be out with people, my own customers, treat them the way I want to treat them and uh, kind of get back to the basics. So that's kind of how it started. I like how you mentioned you're a father and a husband first. That's really cool. I give you a lot of credit. I mean, anyone that's doing excavating that has younger kids, there's a big toll on you because this job, this kind of work is not easy. And the only way it seems like to make it successful is you got to have obviously really good people as part of your crew, but that does not mean that you get to sit back and relax. I mean, there is still always so much work. There's so much expense. There's so much cash flow that you really can't let your finger off the pulse. So to have a young kid like you and some of the others, I mean, I give you a lot of credit. I mean, I, I had a good arrangement with my wife. My wife's phenomenal. High school sweetheart, we've been together forever. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those deals where when I worked, it was kind of like I'm the main breadwinner. I'm the one that's making the money. She's the one handling the household. She took care of the kids. She managed the school. She she handled all that. I basically was in charge of providing the income to support the family. So I worked a lot. And I do regret how much I did work because I did miss the kids do a lot of stuff. I traveled a lot. I mean, that was one of the reasons I ended up leaving. I traveled a lot before, but then my last job I had, I would fly out Monday morning and fly back Friday. And I could fly back for games and I could make those events, but for the most part, I wasn't there. You know, so I talked to them for 10 minutes a night. That's about all I kind of had with them, you know, other than weekends and stuff. But, you know, so that was kind of my biggest regret was not putting as much time into being home as much. So, yeah, my last role, I mean, I would leave out Monday, come back Friday and my wife's my best friend. So it was one of those goofy things where it's like, wait a second, my kids are almost out of school. My wife's going to be home five days a week by herself. Um, this isn't my dream, which is what I worked all the way towards. I mean, I worked 20 years to get to that role. And then it was like, it was a big smack in the face of, wow, this, this isn't the life I dream of. 
I want to be home at a decent time, not every day by five, but I want to be home at a decent time. I want to be part of family's life and and kind of get back to basics. So, so that's kind of how I started this. It's really impressive that you're highlighting so much about family and, you know, being there for your kids. And if there's one thing that I've learned, I mean, I have a, a two-year-old, she actually, she's two on Sunday, having a big second birthday party for her. And I'm having a, another baby here in uh, about 22 days. And uh, I got to say that a lot of my perspective changed as well. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of my perspective changed as well whenever I had, a, you know, kids, because beforehand, you know, it's a lot of, especially being a business owner or not even being a business owner, but just being dedicated to your career. It's a lot of time and a lot of time away from home. And, you know, you said you have a good arrangement with your wife. And to me, that's the key to it all is my wife. I couldn't do what I do without my wife at home. Uh, and I think that's the ultimate ticket to making everybody's success kind of happen. But one thing that you really highlight that I wanted to to know your story on is you were in the corporate world six years ago. What were you doing? And then what gave you that push to, I'm going to be a business owner. I'm going to get into wastewater. Like, and then why wastewater? <laughs> why septic tanks? Why? You know, I know you do ex you do more than that and excavation yeah. and everything, excuse me, but you do like, why? Why the change? And what did you do? So to start out, I was a truck driver. I got kicked out when I was 16. And then I found myself working on a dock. And then I realized I could make more money by being a driver. So as soon as I turned 18, I got my CDL. By the time I was 21, I got into the company I really wanted to be at. And then started as a driver. A year later, was an assistant manager, then a manager, then a director. And then kept growing, uh, moved all over the country for them. And then basically where I finished at was a uh, supply chain. I was a process manager. So basically I'd fly into different divisions, meet with the manager, the, the president, the financial officer, meet with everybody and kind of say, okay, here's a number that you're not hitting. Why are you not hitting it? And then I would help create a way to help them hit that number. Um, I worked on driver comp projects. So there's 10,000 drivers I'd work on taking Canada's pay scale and making US pay scale and trying to make those merge to where people transferred from one part of the country to another it was a very explainable pay change and why it was different. So I worked on a lot of process stuff. I went back to uh, school uh, seven years before I finished. So, I mean, I went back and got a master's in uh, strategic leadership and business development. So that's kind of how my brain works. I'm a process guy. I think through how to be the most efficient possible, how to put things together the most efficient way, not have any wasted time, parts, et cetera. And it's, these guys kind of get probably tired of hearing out, but it's like, it's one of those simple deals. Like if you have 10,000 drivers and they're making a $5 mistake a day, it's a $50,000 mistake for the company every single day. So how do you minimize all of these simple little things that we're doing to waste time or um, waste product? And what got me down the septic path was I actually started with just really simple projects most guys wouldn't take. And then I started my first septic, worst septic still to date that I ever did. But I still loved it. It was a challenge. There was a lot of different aspects of it that I had no clue on. I was so nervous the first time I put one together, thinking that, I mean, the specters would come out and check everything to the 10th, you know, on the grade and all the pipe. I mean, just perfect. And uh, it was horrible. I mean, I was so stressed out. That was a good one, too, because I didn't bid it right. So I had another excavator in town help me. I said, okay, I, I planned on 200 yards of uh, material. And I needed 450 yards. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't go back to the customer and tell them I messed this up. 
the insurance company said, if you can prove the receipts that you actually bought the material, we'll, we'll reimburse you. But I was about ready to throw up my first week because I'm like, I'm supposed to make uh, like three grand on this or four grand on this, and I'm going to lose eight. So if I'm going to lose eight, it's going to take me three weeks to recover from the four. I just, you know, I mean, it was just one of those crazy deals. But septic, I landed on because to me, it seemed like that's the one thing that even if the economy slows down, tanks, anything goes wrong, septics are still going to be there. It's kind of the dirtier side of excavating. But at the end of the day, COVID for us was kind of our best time ever because we were important because you can't have a home that you have sewage backing up. Um, so you were a priority. You could actually get in and do it. But then everybody being home all day, every day, compared to being at school or work, made the systems that were borderline fail. So there was a lot of work for us to do. And that was kind of what helped answer the question for me of this is definitely a side that I want to make sure we have covered pretty well. I mean, everything that you say, totally 100%. I mean, septic, you know, and wastewater, everyone needs to go to the bathroom recession-proof industry, although they're super expensive, um, well, at least up in our area, you know, like up here, to be honest with you, the average system now is between forty dollars and $60,000 Canadian. So are you guys up near like the average system, you know, kind of what's the average system worth? A normal gravity-fed drain bed is about 10. So two tanks, 20 by 50, 20 by 60 drain field. No pump, just Gravity system, stone, tanks, that's pretty standard. You get into the pump systems and the treatment systems, and a lot of those, they'll start getting into between the 15 and 40. So they can start adding up. Wow. Yeah, even in our area that we're in, we have really high prices. But, I mean, like, just for a, a tank replacement, we're eight to $10,000. Just, just for a tank. I mean, cost of materials, the inspection, it's, it's insane. That's where we are. Okay, going from what you did corporate, I feel like there's more I'm missing out on here because to go from, okay, I'm getting a paycheck every week, I know I'm getting a paycheck every week, to, hey, I'm going to open my own business and do my own thing and maybe not get a paycheck every single week and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Like, <laughs> obviously, having your background, which, by the way, is super impressive in strategic planning and, you know, business development and all that stuff, like, I love hearing that because that is amazing. And I see that even on your work on Instagram, like the way that you're like, this crew is doing this today. This crew is doing that. This crew is doing that. You're so like, boom, 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 we're doing it. So that I see that as well, too. But what was the big leap to actually running your own business from getting a paycheck every week to maybe not getting one every single week? That's a great question. And to keep it as short and simple as possible is they did a lot of cuts. I started up facilities for them. So I started up five facilities. I'd fly to Pittsburgh, for example. I'd stay there for three, four months, come back on the weekends, but help them get all the leadership hired, get all the equipment transferred, get all, basically get all the routing set, work with a thousand people. But you basically had a 300 point checklist that you did this in an exact order that I helped create. But this is how you did it to have a successful startup. So you're taking 3,000 customers from one facility in Ohio, and now you're going to move them to Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania, or you're going to transfer them. Just They're going to get deliveries Friday, and all of a sudden Sunday, they're going to get it at a complete different facility. So you got to have everything lined up perfectly. But when I was done starting up facilities, they wanted me to be in charge of uh, all of Canada and all of the U.S. for backhauling product. Backhauling is basically you, you go out and you deliver a product all day long, but then you're going to bring product back. 
So you're backhauling the product. And the new leadership came in. The, the family I worked for were truly amazing. The new leadership, not so much. Didn't agree with their process, didn't agree with their thoughts, didn't agree with uh, finance over people. It was always people than finance. A lot of the dynamics changed. So they basically eliminated my role and said, we really want you in here. It was a substantial pay cut. So we talked in the sense of a severance package. And I chose at that time, I didn't really want to be part of that company anymore and left. So I, I luckily had enough cash flow to start out, this kind of business is pretty insane. Like I, um, a lot of people talk about rentals. A lot of people talk, I mean, for me, I will work 24 hours a day to not fail. So for me, I bought a skid steer and a mini and I bought a trailer and said, that can get me 90% of the little jobs I need get done, done. And uh, did the math. I mean, it's just simple math. It's like, okay, the two payments on that's $2,300 a month. The trailer's paid for. I've got three months of cash flow because of my severance. I'm going to go give this a whirl and try to make it work because this definitely seems like where I'd want to be. And that was kind of the part that I was very fortunate in the sense of I landed in some pretty good money. I made I made really good six-figure income. So when I got a severance, I had a pretty good little pay package to, to leave. And that helped me get this started up. So yeah, I mean, the cash flow piece is absolutely huge because I learned a lot of important lessons, hard lessons that, you know, I, I didn't really do anything for builders. I had a builder call me. I put in a $40,000 septic, 25,000 of that was expensive material. And then he didn't pay me, you know? So when you have 30 to 40,000 in the bank and then you have somebody wipe out all of your, cause you don't have, you don't have all of your accounts set up yet with all your vendors and your pits and your suppliers and you're on shorter terms. You don't have that extra cash flow. So, so yeah, that made it pretty challenging when I first started. And some of those bigger jobs were pretty nerve wracking because you needed paid. And then when they didn't pay, you know, finally had to put a lien on the property. That was all new to me and all that kind of stuff. But so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I ended up where I was at. I just, it wasn't a weird predicament where the corporate life changed and it kind of flipped on me where everybody was kind of backstabbing. You couldn't tell the truth to the leaders because they didn't want to hear the truth. There's a lot of those aspects where I just hated my job and it made it where I hated it, where I worked. And then I thought about, well, I got 25 years left. I can go to another company. I mean, I get offers all the time, but is it really going to be better? And then if it's not better, then do I really want to change again? You know, I want to put my heart and soul into whatever I'm doing. So I'm not a job hopper. So that, that was the part that didn't incite, didn't excite me too much in the thought of having to leave and go to different places if it wasn't the place for me. And that's kind of where I said, I want to have my own business. I've always wanted to have my own business. And what I did was almost like having my own business. Um, you'd go hire people, you'd go get it started up, you'd have your cash flow. It wasn't my cash, but you'd have your budget, you'd have your goals. So, I mean, that was kind of the catch where I'd always wanted it. I had no idea what I'd want to do. But yeah, once once the excavating world kind of started up, it was, and I kind of looked out too. And you can, again, from a strategy standpoint, you look out and go, okay, there's a lot of guys six years ago in the mid fifties, sixties that are going to be retiring and they don't have kids taking over. They don't have anyone taking over. So around here, we've got like 11 excavators within probably a 10 square mile area. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot, but a lot of them will be closed up probably within a year or two, just from retirement. You're in a good spot. Hope so. <laughs> so you're dead right about like you know, you said the company, I was actually just at a lunch today talking to a, you know, a friend where 
he actually the same thing. He was working at a company, company sold to a larger corporate kind of company. They came in, made it a miserable place where nobody wanted to work. He quit, started his own thing. And now he's doing, you know, seven, eight figure business, which is insane. But culture can kill a business and kill losing really good employees. But it's a pro for you because you got into this next chapter of your life, which what you're saying is, you know, you're now able to carry this on. You'll be able to provide for your family, for your kids, carry that kind of legacy on, which is super neat. But why the dirt world? Like you mentioned, obviously, wastewater being recession proof and everything like that. But coming from trucking, okay, like, how did you know? I want to know, like, how were you like, okay, I'm going to do excavators and dig dirt. And that's what I'm going to do. Like, is there something when you were younger or how? Like, why dirt? <laughs> It's honestly a great question. I'll have a great answer for it. Other than it just seemed like it would be something that I would literally enjoy waking up every single morning and going and doing. I don't mind getting dirty. I have no problem doing construction. I've flipped homes. I've done all sorts of stuff. That's really kind of what it came down to was more just, I would love to be in a machine. And at first it was a machine by myself to be left alone. And then, uh, you know, finally got over, I wouldn't say bitterness, but I got over the fact of not really wanting to necessarily deal with people. And then again, it's one of those when you get really good people knocking on the door, how do you not invite them in? And I had really good people. I've got really, you know, it's every business. You kind of have a cycle, you know, you'll get really good guys in. Then there's a, you know, we just went through this. Um, You know, we, we had really good crew for the last year. There's no turnover in the last month. There's three of them that uh, we've decided to part ways. And we have three new guys in, and they're fantastic. Hard part is, is I'm okay with hiring guys. I think you have the exact same thing with the young kid and your and your cat. Is I got a young crew, but they're willing to learn, they're willing to listen, and they're then they take advice and they catch on quickly. I'll take that all day long. That means I got to work 20 more hours a week because I got to be on site to help them and guide them and show them. So be it. Compared to a guy that thinks he knows it all and just beats the hell out of everything. I mean, that's kind of yeah. That, that that's a part that you can't recover from and it becomes very painful every week you've got okay yep hit a fiber line yep okay now you broke my tilt rotator okay oh yeah now you broke it's like you, you can't make enough money to recover from a guy that's not doing 100 everything on what he's supposed to be doing every day yeah and you can't teach an old dog new tricks that's why i like the younger guys yeah i love them i love them we got a, like i said we got a great crew they get along they're all willing to work no one's no one's standing there holding the shovel and not willing to grab it and jump in the hole with somebody and keep digging. I mean, that's that's my mindset. I mean, it's kind of nice because a lot of the you know guys now um, they've got the mindset. I'm I'm not one to stand ever, so it's kind of like I'm not going to stand stand there and watch you dig. If anything, if we got to shovel something, you're going to take ten scoops. Get out of my way. I'm going to take ten scoops. We're going to do it fifty fifty. We're going to split this workload. I'm not going to sit there because I'm the boss and watch you do this. But don't get mad when I get in the hole you know, and say, no, 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 that's not what you're supposed to do. I still do it, but they at least acknowledge like, Hey, I I'm the one you hired to do this stuff. Let me, let me do this stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, we've got a good, we've got a good process going. We've got a good group going. Um, it's just painful because it just usually means more hours. You know, this last winter was pretty good. We had a good crew and, you know, you could kind of cut everything. I got a great estimator. I got a, my my father-in-law is my estimator and my sister-in-law is my uh, office manager. So they're fantastic. They manage everything. She usually handles the schedule. I help oversee it a little bit, 
but she manages everything from the day-to-day to to phone calls to scheduling uh, Len, which is Mastimator, to go out and do all the estimates. He's out visiting all the customers, shaking all their hands, doing all the estimates. He can do pretty much 95% of them by himself. Um, Every once in a while, I'll get one that he'll, today we went and spent three hours driving around to five of them that he had questions on, you know, so for the most part, that's been huge. So, and it's kind of funny because he came on, I bugged him for years to join. And then all of a sudden he just said, oh yeah, I'm putting in my notice. I'm coming to join. It's like, oh, that's great. Okay. Where am I going to put you? Because I just hired two other guys. And then my wife, of course, being right, she's like, you should have them do all your estimates. I'm like, oh, I can't have somebody do all my estimates that. You know that'll make or break you, and he's been fantastic. So I need to find find your money for your salary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's been good. They're they're fantastic. It's kind of the whole roundabout piece where you got to have it all covered. Yeah, the dynamic, uh, Travis, was actually something that I was really interested in talking to you about because, much as myself, like I I'm very hands on and I'm the same, you know, I have an awesome operations manager, estimator, supervisor, you know, kind of good management team that kind of handles everything day to day paperwork kind of stuff like that. But like, how, like, are you in the office more? Are you on site more? I mean, you got a good tan going on. So I'm assuming maybe you're outside a little more than, than usual. (laughs) Are you a bit of a site guy? I'm kind of curious on what your day to day looks like. Uh, right now, I'm more out in the field, but I'm trying to get people hired up to where I don't have to be out in the field unless it's like a bigger job that I would like to help oversee or anything. I don't have an operations manager or anything yet. I mean, we still only have six guys, you know, so it's not anything crazy. But what I've tried to do is be out in the field three three days a week, be in the office a couple of days a week, just, uh, you know, you understand. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. You're out networking, meeting people. I mean, it's social media is a huge thing. People always ask, how much do you really get out of social media? It's definitely worth the investment in the sense of, I don't get business from it, but we uh, land business from it. It's It doesn't bring you business, but it gets you. It's kind of a weird dynamic. Like, I don't feel like I people are calling me because they saw me on Instagram. What they're doing is they're doing their research and we'll have, we almost have a couple hundred five-star reviews. That's impressive. So, I mean... We have the five-star reviews, but what we do is, I mean, not to give away our tactic, but <laughs> you kind of go to a job site and say, oh, you're, you're, you're getting a quote. Okay. Well, here's our quote for the septic system. By the way, we just did three of these last week. Go check us out on Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media you want to look at. You'll see what it looks like before we got there. You'll see what it looks like during. You'll see what it looks like after, and you'll see what kind of performance we have based on all those pictures. And we're, we're happy with how we provided this work. So take a look at it, see what the quality is going to be, see if that meets your needs. By the way, check out the competitors, see if their pictures meet your needs. And I mean, luckily, there's still nobody around here that has anything. Most of them have uh, websites with the, you remember the pictures? I used to have the orange numbers with the date on it. (laughs) In the corner. There's companies around here that still have those pictures from 25 years ago (laughs) uploaded on that. That's, That's the website. And it's not to like embarrass anybody, but it's the fact that we take a lot of pride in the work we do. And to be honest with you, uh, Durbin actually mentioned this a long time ago. It's pictures on Instagram and that do a phenomenal job for you and your crew for the fact that it's hard to make dirt look good. So you you are going above and beyond to make that septic picture look better. You are producing a better quality product because you are getting a picture of that. 
And it's important because 95% of what we do gets covered up. So, I mean, you really could do a bad job. No one's going to know it for five to 10 years until things start happening. But I mean, you really could go in and do a really poor job and nobody would even know it. But the important thing is to do it right, even though no one's watching. But if no one's watching here, let me take some pictures and show that I did it right. You know, that type of thing. So, yeah, that's what we try to show uh, as well. Yeah, I love I love your videos. I mean, I would rather be interviewing you, to be honest with you, but I like your interviews. I like your YouTubes. I like a lot of that stuff. You're very quirky and funny and it's then you're different. I'm not, I guess, brave enough to be as far out as kind of how you are. I love it. I appreciate it. I think it's funny and I think it's very real and it's not a persona or any of that kind of stuff. It's just, that's just who you are. And I love how you carry that. And I think that's why you have a lot of followers because unfortunately that is just how I am. Yeah, but that's good. I mean, I think that's a great dynamic because that's just, it's fun to watch. One of my favorite videos that you had was, um, was the year in review. It's goofy. You're sitting in the lawn chair with your drink and talking about last year. And I thought, what a great video though. Like from a excavator watching an excavator, like here's the good things, here's the bad things. And here's kind of a real look at, because I, I don't think a lot of us do a good job of showing how hard this business is. And you've talked about that on different podcasts and stuff of just uh, anxiety and the pressure and the stress and the difficulty with cash flow and managing a family and managing people. And, you know, knowing that if you make the wrong decision, you could have 25 people that uh, impact for that. But it's not even really the 25 people you have employed. It's multiply that by their family, multiply that by X amount of different things that that's going to impact. That stress is big, you know, and as I think you're the exact same way, I mean, you're always trying to provide more and more for your employees and your teammates and people around you. So there, there is a lot of stress that goes into that. So I, you know, like I said, I mean, we, we have mistakes and we have different things and it's like, boy, sometimes we've done a couple of those videos where it's like, okay, this is a good thing to know. But at the same time, it's like, you don't want to look like you're an idiot out there, not knowing what you're doing, but yeah, but it happens. I mean, every great excavator, they get a dozer, they get a dump truck stuck to the axles when they, you know, they shouldn't have taken that path, but they do, you know, but then the same thing, like, oh, there's a $50,000 expense that I didn't know was coming. And how am I going to make uh, ends meet this week? You know, it's just, there's a lot to it. So I, yeah, I enjoy your videos. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's too bad because, listen, my favorite part that I wish I could show because I, I would be very transparent if I could be is like the actual true conversations when like I have to give a guy constructive criticism when I have to talk to him in that. Hey, man, you're doing this. I need you to be doing this. The actual conversation the talks. But there's a part of that that I don't want to embarrass them and put them online of like, oh, my boss had to come and talk to me and, you know, kind of tell me I was doing a bit of a crappy job on this. So there's a part of that that I can't show, which is a lot of the time, a lot of conversations, especially growing from, you know, four years ago when we were three, four people to now 22 employees. It's insane, the dynamic and dealing with the people. And like you were saying earlier, which is really interesting, it's kind of like, you know, you had three people leave and three people come and go. It's like we don't talk about that enough as well too. like turnover, you know, like now more than ever. I mean, 
a long-term employee now, I mean, obviously we have lots of, you know, long-term employees, but a lot of the newer guys too, like it is a higher turnover, you know, like it takes one wrong conversation with employee and they go, eh, well, I don't like the way my boss talked to me that day because he was upset. So I'm going to go over here and work another job because that's just the demand in construction right now. It makes it hard because you try to put so much into your employees and make sure they're kitted out in the right gear and do camp days and do barbecues and make sure they're taken care of. And then at the end of it, you're like, ah, really? You're going to go leave me for them? Like, man, like, I know we had our differences on that one job, but what's really difficult, you know? And like, I saw a thing on Instagram that you do for your employees. And I wanted to ask, it's like, you took your, your employees to Mexico or you guys went to Mexico or how did that work? What was that all about? And how do I get invited next year? <laughs> well, you'd be a riot. <laughs> Two, three years ago, we went to Dominican. And that was just a, hey, guys, we killed it. Great job. Thank you. This last year, we went to Mexico. And basically, it's an all-inclusive trip for them and their spouse, girlfriend, whoever they're with. Um, so pretty much what we did last year is, to be honest and truthful on this whole thing, we ended up overbooking work. And I do not, like I said, I try to be a good family man in the sense of if you have a sporting event for your kid, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you're off. If you got a doctor's appointment, anything that you got going on family related, we can pretty much work it out. We're not ever that busy that I can't let you leave a couple hours early or take a day off. I'm the exact same. My guys can take vacation in summer. And I, some days I get really mad at myself for going, how do you let these guys take vacation in summer? But at the same, same time, it's, like, it's kind of ridiculous to say you can't take vacation in summer. So it's the best season. Yeah. So what we had is we ended up booking a ton of jobs and we kind of looked at the schedule and said, okay, wow, we're really going to disappoint some people because we are not going to get this done in time. So we try not to ever work Saturday, um, but I threw a thing out saying, okay, you have a buy-in and your buy-in is you're going to work a Saturday. It's a full eight hours. That's your buy-in. And you have to complete the job accurately, not have any callbacks, not have any issues, but it's an eight hour day and we're going to get all these jobs caught up. You don't have to do it, but if you want to go on the trip, you have to work that. And then I also, we were killing it last year, but our expenses were killing us even more than the, the, the jobs that we were getting done. So we were just, we we're going and everything was working, but I had a lot of guys just breaking stuff, forgetting stuff. I mean, after you pay a thousand dollars in shovels, cause you forgot shovels again. I mean, it just gets exhausting. So we also did the buy-in and then we did a $1,500 kind of a accounting credit. So basically, if you didn't blow $1,500 worth of money, you know, so whether that was a screw up and Len had to run you, run you apart, even though you knew you needed it. If you broke a tool, you broke, that got deducted out of the $1,500. And if you had any money left, so you could have blown the $1,499, but if you had a dollar left in that account, then you went on the trip. And really, that whole thing was just to make people aware of how much money we're spending on stupid things. And as a business owner, I get really upset in the, the fact that if we didn't blow through $20,000 in just stupid mistakes, that's $20,000 that I can help go towards something else. You know, it's, it's not so I can become this wealthy guy that's got all this stuff and I can go buy another boat. I mean, I'm not, that's not who I am. So it's kind of this piece where it's like, I'm trying to give back and you're making it impossible for me to give it back. So, so that was the, the part of that contest was just to be, and the thing that stinks, and this is a lesson for everybody. And this was a lesson at a company I worked for. They didn't care. Like if your goal, if your goal was hundred percent of something and you hit 99.8, you didn't hit hundred percent. And I had a guy 
he was like uh, $300 over. And it's one of those awkward things. It's like, we're a small team. Part of this is about team building. Yeah, exactly. It's camaraderie. Yeah, I can't have a guy not go. So I ended up having him go. He's the one I just got rid of because he kept breaking stuff, even though. So it's like, I rewarded him. And I rewarded him because a lot of this, a lot of people forget is, yes, the employees are very, very important. But the spouses are even almost not as important, but pretty darn close. And a lot of it's almost like a spouse trip. Especially in this industry. Yeah, especially it's like that's more of a spouse trip um, also because it's that is the piece that I, I do have guys that will be an hour out and they're like, well, you know what? We should get this thing finished so we don't have to drive an hour back out here tomorrow and we'll stay until eight o'clock tonight and get this thing done. They didn't have to, but they did it. Who benefit or who, who kind of gets hit with that a little bit? It's the spouse that's taking care of the kids or had something planned that night that they didn't make it home for. So it's the acknowledgement of, it is your teammate. It is your spouse. And, you know, that was a huge thing when I'd hire leaders. When I'd hire a leader, I'd get them to the final interview. And then I would go out to dinner with them and their spouse. Because we said it kind of earlier, you can have the best person in the world. But if they're married to the wrong person, it doesn't matter how great they can be. They never will be. Because that, that spouse will pull that back and, and just drain on them. You can't have someone that can give it all when you also have somebody at home saying it's 4 30 what time are you gonna be home it's 4 30 what time are you gonna be home it's 4 40 i thought you were gonna be home you need to be home but you also can't have that person having that stress on you every day saying you got to be home so not when you're out there trying to provide the living so it's interesting that you do that especially like you said like somebody coming in kind of as a leader position leader role i never thought of that that's actually very smart because you're you're dead right i mean if you know, you have your spouse, uh, husband or wife on the other end saying, hey, when are you going to be home? Hey, when are you going to be home? I just made dinner and you're not like, that's going to affect your their job 100%. So I've actually never heard that. That's very smart. I really, really like that. Yeah, I love it. My wife's a great, she's very quiet, introvert, though she knows you, but she loves the internet. I mean, she'd go to dinner with us and she would just as easy kind of say, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think this is the person and this is why, you know, or that's the guy you know, get them, get them hired. So, so, I mean, it's just, she's, she's good at character, you know, judging character and if they're the right person. So yeah, that's, that's been absolutely huge. Your wife, you may have mentioned this earlier. Does she work in the business or does she do something else? Or is she at home taking care of the kids, making sure the house is all in order, or does she have a job somewhere else? She does taxes for three months a year, but she does work for us. I mean, she, that's her business. It's our business. So same with my wife. That's awesome. Yeah. So she does all the finance side and then she does all the payable and all that. So she, she handles, which again, I mean, it's, you know, back when we were smaller, I mean, it's not that big a deal, but when you got 80 invoices a week, <laughs> it, it adds up. I mean, it's just a lot of checks to write to a lot of different vendors and all that other stuff. But yeah, she helps uh, keep us going. And then my son, my son worked with me. He worked with me uh, about a year and a half ago. He started up Walnut Grove Hydro Seed. So, and that was kind of a hard, you have the dynamic with your dad. So, you know, it was kind of all those deals. I, I didn't realize how much I truly miss having him work with me. I loved it. But then I, I kind of pulled out, I pulled myself out of the picture. And, you know, the guys were nice, but some of them weren't so nice. And it was just one of those deals. It's like, it's your kid. You know, you can be. You can be the excavation world. You can you can be hard on some guys, but there's also kind of a little too much. And then 
he he likes excavating, but he doesn't really like running the machines. He's phenomenal at it, but he just doesn't like running the machines right now. So, you know, it's kind of one of those deals. If I had a bad day, he was still at home at the time. And it was kind of one of those, I didn't want him to be part of that bad day conversation. And, and I finally said, you know what? We we sub out all of our hydro seed to a um, landscaper. Uh, we ran the numbers and said, they do a fantastic job, but why don't you start up your own? And it can be your own business, your money, your success, your failure. Why don't you do that? So he started that about a year and a half ago, and he loves it. I mean, it's kind of one of those deals. We went and met another hydro seeder that we know locally and said, hey, we want to start this up. He's a little bit outside our area. He showed us how to do it. It was awesome because my son's name's Brock. He hopped in the truck, and I said, what do you think? And he goes, I love it. So he went and bought the hydro seeder. It's his business. Everything's in his name. But yeah, so he runs that. And then my daughter, uh, she works in the healthcare field, but we started a landscape supply two months ago. So now she's in here on Saturdays taking all the orders and handling that kind of stuff. So so she's looking at, and this, I mean, it took off, which is good. I mean, we were going to be open three days a week, and now we're open like six days a week because everybody's showing up regardless <laughs> if we're open or not, which is good. That's awesome. So, I mean, now we're looking at, well, we weren't really expecting that, but now you really got to have somebody that can be here almost all day to take the order and go load. Um, so it's been fun. It's been good growth, but yeah, it's an interesting dynamic you have with your dad. And I give anyone that can work with family a lot of credit because it's, you know, a lot of people, I know you've said that before, like people go, oh yeah, your dad's money. I mean, yeah, some of it, but uh, what you've done with the company since you've had it, that takes a lot of guts and that's a lot of stress to go from that size to where you are now taking on some of the things, the big, you know, the, the big crazy things, which people, you know, I go through the same thing. It's like, I bought a brand new dump truck and painted it black. And people are like, you are an idiot. That is the gorgeous red. Why would you? I'm like, I want everything that's marketing. I want everything that looked the exact same. When we pull in every single thing matches, it's big, you know, but like paying to have your excavator painted. I mean, there's a lot of catches with some of that stuff where it's like, man, it's the right decision. But at the same time, it's one of those, you, you said it on one of the podcasts. It's just, it's scary. Cause it's like, Oh, that 18 or 20 grand could have bought me another, you know, attachment for this, or I could have paid for this. And all it is is paint, but it definitely sets yourself apart. So, you know, not everybody can do that when they start. Yeah. And last year I definitely could have used that, uh, 18 or 20 grand in some instances too, just to cover payroll for the week or something. But you're right. And I do love the way that you have your machinery set up and your excavators look beautiful. I know that you got some Komatsu and some Volvo pieces and stuff, but I, I just want to say to you though, Travis, I really respect how you talk about your family and involving the family. And I, th I want to make sure that you understand that, that that means a lot for me and especially with a daughter and then a son on the way as well, too. I mean, that's life. That's the goal. You know, I want to take care of my family. I want to take care of my employees' families. But, you know, ultimately my family and, you know, like you said, your daughter doing the landscape depot. That's why I was just smiling because I almost just got kind of chills. You know, I really envy that about you. I really appreciate that. And I think that that's super impressive and understanding that, hey, son, you're really good at this. But I understand that, you know, maybe you're not loving it so much, but here's another avenue, you know, and your son acted on some opportunity too. you know, maybe, maybe he can get some help from dad. Maybe he can't get some help from dad, whatever, whatever it is. And like you said, people always want to speculate daddy's money, daddy's this. And he worked within the business. And I went through the same things with when I started working for my dad in the business, the employees didn't respect me. I was treated terrible, but 
my dad is super old school as well too you know kind of suck it up and get over it and then he also kind of kicked me off yeah. and I worked in alberta for a little bit as well too because you said you got kicked out when you were 16 i didn't so much get kicked out but kind of told the hey we'd really appreciate if you kind of just left for a little bit um so you know <laughs> i uh i moved out west and worked out west for a bit so we share a lot of the same values and I didn't know that about you prior to this conversation. And I want to say that I really respect how tight and, and, and important, you know, family incorporated into your business is. And ultimately that will make your business really successful because of the way that you think. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, I've learned some lessons. I, I didn't always treat family as the top priority and I really do regret that, but I mean, you'll never regret being there for your family when you, when you're supposed to be. I mean, you'll, you'll never regret that. I mean, there's, there's days I look back and I, and I gave everything I had to that company and it was kind of just kind of goofy. Cause I always thought, well, you know, this is family, but you know, when it really came down to it you know, with a different leadership, it's not, and it was just, it was kind of bizarre to me to see that die. I mean, I've, I still try to read a book, uh, not as many as what I used to. I used to read a book a week, all that kind of stuff. That's impressive. And they always said in the books and stuff, but it's like, I never understood how fast culture could turn bad. And it, and it can extremely fast with just one bad leader. I mean, it's, it's truly amazing. I got to see it. I mean, not that it's fun to brag about that, but I definitely got to see that. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, what's kind of goofy is, you know, again, my father-in-law is the estimator, sister-in-law's the, I had a brother-in-law that was one of my main excavators and sadly he left and started his own. Oh. He partnered, partnered with one of his friends. Well, good for him, but damn. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing good, but it's, uh, it was kind of a family affair and it, I mean, it sounds stupid, but the guys that I have working with me, that's where I always take it personal. And I think it's probably the same for you is it's like, you do everything you can to take care of them. Like they are family and they, and they do feel like family. And I have to every once in a while kind of remind myself, I like my guys. So it's like, if I want to hang out with them, but it's like, you always got to watch that they want to give me a shirt that says hashtag fine line. Cause I always say it's a fine line. Like I, it is. I want to be your friend. I want to help you. I want to coach you. I want to, but I also got to be careful of how close I get, because if I spend time with you outside of work, then this guy will be upset that he didn't get time spent with him. And so it's kind of one of those, everybody's got to be invited or no one's got to be invited type of things. I totally agree. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's you just try to treat everybody and have a good time and take care of them all. Sounds like you have some really good uh, morals in the business there. I mean, hell, if things don't work out here, kill my construction. Maybe I'll come over to, to Walnut Grove excavating. <laughs> um, well, what's next for Walnut Grove? Where are you going? Where are you headed? What's the plan? Do you want to grow? Do you want to stay the same? Do you want to perfect what you have and then grow? Do you like what's next? Boy, it's a, that's a question I probably try to deal with every day and I don't have a good answer. <laughs> yeah, that's what keeps you up at night. Oh, it is. I mean, there is the days that it's like, you know, if I just had one guy with me, how simple this would be. And oh, man. You know what? Just, you know, it's that. one of those like, oh, it'd be so, it'd be so nice to just have me and one other guy. And what am I doing? Yeah. And then there's days where it's like, I want to conquer the world and I want to have 50 people and I want to have, I don't want anybody else to do a residential septic because I want it all. So, it's that dynamic of if, if it's a good day or a bad day, but the, the way it's been, I've been very fortunate in the sense of I've had steady growth, not crazy growth, but I've added people when the right people have come. 
So I haven't really, I really haven't advertised that I'm hiring. It's usually you get a person that comes in, you're like, this, this is a great person. I don't have a rule, but I'm going to create a rule for you. And then, then you adapt to that. And, and that's kind of how I've done it. I feel pretty safe with that. But I mean, you know, too, I mean, we're just struggling. You almost have to be mental to get into excavating. And I say that in the sense of, I have electricians that charge 125 bucks an hour. They have a pickup truck and Milwaukee kits, right? So they got $3,000 in materials. I got a million dollars worth of equipment. I charge $125 an hour. <laughs> and anytime something breaks, it's two grand. You know, like you have to literally almost be insane to do excavating because it's just so capital and cash flow. And, you know, oh, I want to, I want to grow. Well, if I want to grow, I got to add $750,000 in equipment. And that 750000 is going to be $10,000 a month in equipment. Well, then I got to get people for it. But hopefully I'll get that. I'll make five grand a month with, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. But it's just one of those deals where you really look at the numbers and you go, what are you thinking? <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. And it's, I'm laughing. It's crazy. I'm laughing because everything you're saying is me and my dad over a glass of scotch, you know, like, you know, so-and-so buddy owns electrician company. All he's got to buy is a freaking van and some Milwaukee tools. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. just got to buy a $600,000 excavator. And it's so true. You know, we're, we're on some bigger jobs right now. We, we found a good deal on a 336, but we're like, oh, you know, we'd be really nice with a bigger dozer. Let's go look at a dozer. So we demoed a Komatsu, <laughs> you know, dozer. And then at the end of it, I mean, it's like, oh, we'd like one size bigger. And it's like, well, it's $670,000. And it's like, oh, okay. Wow. Maybe I don't. Don't need one right now then maybe i'll just you know what i mean it's just you're right the upfront cost in excavating is insane and i love that you said that because those are conversations that if you're in excavation then you're laughing when you hear that because every person in the business says that too you know the upfront cost the overhead and it is insane it is insane especially dump trucks dump trucks three hundred twenty thousand dollars canadian and we rent it out for or we charge out on our jobs at 120 dollars an hour it's like you got to spend 350 grand to get 120 dollars an hour yeah, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. We just we just looked at a quad. It was two hundred eighty thousand, and the last quad quad I bought was two hundred five. Yeah, they've gone up. So it went up seventy five thousand. So I can sell my triaxle for seventy five to ninety, and if I put that money down, I still have a four thousand dollar payment on a two hundred. You know, I mean, it's just it's like okay, well, I mean, everybody's finally starting to increase their prices a little bit. I mean, you st we still had a lot of old school people that the equipment's been paid for for 25 years, should never be on the road, but it's on the road. And they're still charging the 85 to 100 bucks an hour because they don't care. They're going to retire in a couple of years and everything's paid for. But it's like for the companies that are out there trying to grow and invest, it just makes it challenging in the sense of the the cash flow piece. Because it's, again, like you said, 120 bucks an hour and you got a $300,000 machine. It's just... And that thing's got to stay busy. And if it doesn't stay busy, I mean, it's insane. The The fun part is the financials. I have a spreadsheet that literally breaks down every single thing and it pulls all the way down and says, okay, this is what you have to make an hour. This is what you have to make a day, a, a week, a year. And then it, it basically takes, okay, here's the nine months you're really going to make money. Here's the three months that you're going to make minimum. And you're going to lose 20 grand this month and 20 grand, but you're going to have to offset it with this. And it and it pulls all that stuff together to tell you what your true financials are. We had the exact same thing happen with a, we were looking at adding a guy on for a train, you know, a lead and a pup. But it's one of those deals where it's like, if everything goes well and you can make 60 grand after you pay somebody, 
But if things don't go well and you only work nine months instead of 12 months, you lose 30 grand. I mean, it's just, it's one of those deals. Like if you really don't truly understand your numbers or run your numbers, uh, you could really get in a really bad spot quickly. It's uh, people that rent right now. I don't know how you rent. I, I, I hate yeah. renting. I hardly we ever. stopped renting. I know a lot of people say rent. Rent until you know. Rent until you know that you need it. Now, my dozer, when I got it, um, my dozer payment, now thank God that was before everything went up. But I mean, my dozer payment's like 1150 bucks for, a, I did a lease. So 1150 bucks for the lease. So, I mean, it's just, we'd had a job that I just quoted out. Uh, the excavator was $4,500, $4,500, I think for the week with transport. Well, you start doing the math and it's like, well, shoot, if I just use that three times a year, I've got all 12 months paid for <laughs> if I rent yeah. it for the one month for that, you know, so it's just one of those crazy things when you start doing the math, it's like, I don't know how you can afford to rent. You're better off buying everything. I mean, within a certain extent, but, but yeah, you start doing the math on rentals at four grand a month compared to your payment being a thousand dollars a month. You could technically have that machine for four months, what you would have paid the same for one month of rental. Yeah. And the interest rates have to make sense as well, too. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> right now, they're not the best. No, and that's, I mean, honestly, where we're at this year is, you know, everyone keeps saying everything's going to die and the world's coming to an end and everything. But, you know, we try to be optimistic and say it's not. And we're not, and we're not, we're not really seeing that. But at the same time, I'm really kind of hoping to think almost stay somewhat where we are. We got a couple things we'd like to buy this year, but uh, really kind of stop investing so much into different machines. We bought a screener. We bought a dozer. I mean, we bought some fun stuff that will really add to the business. But like the topsoil, I'd love to pick your brain on screening and how you really figure out the financials on that because it's uh there's a lot of different aspects it's like oh you're making all this money for free well no i got a guy run the loader i got a loader i got time there i got fuel in the machine this machine breaks i mean there, there's a lot of different things that go into it a lot of fuel costs oh yeah getting the soil to the yard there's a lot to it so there's a there's a lot of different things there so this year is about honing in our skill watching the details over excelling on everything we do over you know basically uh just just trying to continue to impress customers to where i mean 85 percent of our stuff is still referral so if you're getting that kind of referral rate and we we answer the phone i mean there's some simple things if you're a business starting out when i first started that was probably the hardest thing for me as i got to the point where i was getting two or three phone calls a day i'm in the excavator i'm trying to have a crew I'm answering. I'm not trying to be rude. You're doing the shoulder, the shoulder with the joysticks. Yeah, I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm like, you know what? I'm in the excavator right now. I really can't talk. Can you just text me? Well, then you get all these texts and then you forget to follow up. And so, I mean, it's just real simple stuff of we answer the phone. We're usually within the first three, three rings. And we're usually out to your site that day or the next day. And we have an estimate in your hand by the next day. So if we answer the phone, show up, quote it quickly, um, our percentage of landing our jobs goes up exponentially, especially if it's a referral. Yeah. So if, if, if you get referred and then you complete all the things that they're expecting from you as an excavator, they're not calling anybody else. And especially if your price is fair. So that's, that's what we try to excel on and try to keep up on. So we redid our website and the guy that redid our website, we we're talking about getting the search engine optimization kind of going again. And, and I said, well, it's really more for winter. Um, but he's like, well, let's get it going. Let's see how long it's going to take to kind of kick it up. And it's like, okay, you, you, you kind of got it going a little too well, too fast. Cause I mean, we get the emails of how many Google calls came in and how many people searched and all that kind of stuff. And 
and it skyrocketed. And now it's it's to the point where you've got to dance that line of the fine line of you can't have 14, 15 phone calls a day and then not be able to get two of them within the next day and then quote the next day. Because then you become like everybody else, where if you answer the phone, you can't get there for a week. Then it takes a week. I mean, people are very impatient. So you have to be there. You have to communicate clearly. We've got a software that we fell in love with a year ago. I wish I would have started that a long time ago, but it communicates to everybody perfectly. I mean, when a guy starts the job, it says Travis is on his way. He'll be arriving at this time. When we take pictures, they can see everything. They can see all of our notes, all of our pictures, all of our permits, everything for that job site goes in. Like the homeowners, you mean? Yeah, homeowners can, they can see very basics. They can't see everything that our guys can see, but. What's the app called? Uh, House Call Pro. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's designed more for um, plumbers, electricians, at HVAC, you know, that kind of thing, but. It, That's really cool. Well, what we kept running into is you're on the job for this septic. Well, now all of a sudden, you're not going to be on that septic. You're going to go on to this septic. And then we were passing out paper permits, and here's what you need, and, oh, here's the supplies, and, oh, I don't have pictures. And then the estimator is telling you, well, this is – now when he goes to a job, he takes pictures of the parking, like the front of the house, side of the house, where we're going to enter, back of the house. So you can look at the pictures, and then I'll have notes saying, I told the homeowner that we weren't going to drive on their parking or on their driveway. Enter through the east side. Enter through the east side. By the way, they're okay with us cutting the trees down. Okay, that's in there. The customer's phone number, email, text, everything's in there. So if they ever have a question for the homeowner, they can call without their, their cell phone being used, their number being recorded or whatever. So so yeah, when they're done, they take pictures of everything. All the permits are in there. All the pricings. I, my guys can see all the pricing. I don't really care. So they can see pricing. They can see if they want to tweak something or if they add a load of topsoil, what that's going to cost the customer. And then when they hit done, it sends them a text saying, your job is completed. If there's any follow-up, we'll be in reach within the next few hours. And then when they're done, they usually call the office, talk to Lisa and say, hey, yeah, this is what we got to make sure we follow up with them on. And then she calls. And then like same thing, if you look at her schedule, you can see there are 18 jobs scheduled this week and who's on what and who can see what. And you can make it where the customer can see as much or nothing at all. You can actually put in, which is a really nice benefit, PIA. So if the customer is a pain in the ass, you can put PIA in the notes. If they're just a really, really touchy customer, you can put that in the note and it won't send them any communication. It won't send them a review form. It won't send them. So it's kind of neat. Nice. I like that. (laughs) That's a really cool feature. Yeah. You're really embracing the technology. And uh, I mean, for being in business six years as well, too, I got to say, like, again, super impressed with your vision and the way that you're running things and kind of you know, when I asked you about what your plan is for, you know, growing or staying the same, I would have the exact same answer. It's like, well, I don't have some days. My plan is to downsize and go to just myself and my dad. But then some days I want to be 110 employees and conquer the world. But, <laughs> you know, and like you said, you've kind of just been growing with the demand. And I really respect that. And that's what we do did as well the last three years. I mean, we we capitalized. I've acted on opportunity my whole life. I acted on an opportunity with you know, the family business, acted on an opportunity with the last three years being insane construction boom. And we did that. We bought when the money was good. And now the money's not so good. So we're not doing as much buying, still buying. And we're kind of holding on to the same. But our values, Travis, 
I got to say, that was my my favorite thing about talking to you today. And again, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast as well today, too. But your values of family and taking care of your employees and culture, especially coming from a previous corporate job where maybe the culture kind of deterred you away from that. Like, I really I really respect that, Travis. So I want to make sure that people take that away from today's listen. No, I appreciate that. And I, I exact same thing back. I mean, I, I love, I'm cheering you on. I'm in the background. I, I love watching what you do. And I love watching these other guys and talking to them. It, and it sounds crazy, but Instagram is absolutely huge. I mean, uh, Devin Dyer, he's one of the first guys I reached out to like a year after I started saying, just asking financials. Like, I see you got new trucks. Why? Because I, I can see why new trucks make sense, but nobody around here has new trucks. Can you tell me what you, why you do this? You know, so and it's fun and it's kind of humbling at the same time where you get two or three messages a week saying, Hey, I got a question. What would you do in this situation? And I really, I wish I could do more YouTube like you do in the sense of, um, it sounds uh, insane, but I watched a lot of YouTube to figure out excavation. Nice. So I watched Dirt Ninja and I watched a lot of those guys. And, and I always kind of said, boy, if I can really make a run at this, I would really love to pay that forward and make videos and train and, and do some of that. I haven't had the time yet to really do a lot of that, but I love what you do. Yours is very entertaining. It's fun, but you also get a good um, view. But same thing. I mean, you can see that you just have, it's fun watching people succeed and you cheer them on and you really wish the best for them because again, you got 22 people, they all need you. I mean, they need you to show up every day. They they need someone that cares for them and is going to treat them right. And people just want to earn a good living and, and have a good life, you know, and it's fun being people that can do that. You know, people are going to talk about you at the dinner table, whether you like it or not. It's going to be your decision, whether it's a good conversation or a bad conversation. So it's fun talking to someone with the same values and, and uh, characters. So enjoyed our chat a lot. I agree, Travis. Thank you uh, very much. Again, this is another podcast brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu. Travis, thank you very much. Uh, I can't wait to keep kind of just chatting to you. We're going to have to swap numbers after this, keep in more contact. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate that conversation today. Yeah, thank you very much.